Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Pro Tri News. This is a special episode as we are nearing the end of the year. Um, we are going to go through, for this episode, all of the short course racing and kind of the highlights, the lowlights, and everything in between. Uh, I'm your host, Kyle Glass, coming to you live from Oklahoma City. I also have Pat Lemieux from, are you in Boulder? I'm in Boulder, and I, the only house update I want to get is that I've gone in what I'd say is my coolest house yet, and I'd say I visited, Gwen and I visited about 40. This one that we were in, uh, the main floor, it had all the bedrooms. There was like 12-foot ceilings, but in one of them, up to the attic, up on the top of the wall, it said secret lair, and then there was a, a big hook in the corner that said this is the key for the secret lair and you pulled down the ladder from the attic. So it's this giant 12 foot ladder. And what they did was they built out the, this, uh, you know, A-frame attic as a super cool, like upstairs, cozy lair that was probably, you know, a hundred square feet. But it was like me, Gwen and our realtor uh, up there all hanging out. And it was just a super, super fun home tour. So I apologize for the 30 second recap on that, but that was, uh, that was the coolest house I've seen in Boulder yet. Are you gonna make I just an offer? tuned out for a second and I just tuned back in and I just hear secret lair. It's like, where yeah, it are we awesome. going here? It was super awesome. Super awesome. So, um, Who's your realtor? Because you know Chris Leiferman's wife in Boulder is a realtor, Zana. And I would say that if you ever like pay for her services, just never include that with any drinking involved because Zana, Chris Leiferman's wife, will drink you under the table. Right. That girl it throws an after party like I've never seen. She's an absolute <laughs> legend, but she is a realtor in Boulder, Pat. So. Right, yeah, well, we're covered. Um, we got our man Sasha looking after us. Sasha's your realtor. Absolutely. No Absolutely. kidding. Absolutely. How much honey do you have? Yeah, I lived in Sasha's house. How much honey has he given you? Oh, we've uh, we've gotten two honeycombs, and we're working on one uh, one giant jar from the Big Island that he brought us. Uh, but every time that Stanley sees him, he asks him about the honey. You word on the street is he has a new product he's going to be gifting. I don't know if that's public yet. Okay. All right. I'm excited. Okay. All right. Excited. Back on track. <laughs> back on track. We also have uh, Mark Matthews joining us. Mark. I think we're just in a really good mood, aren't we? Because we just recorded with Vincent Louis, who turned out to be hilarious. Didn't yeah. seem to hate us as much as he quite rightly should have done. And uh, yeah, I think we're all in a good mood. So hey, guys, again. Yeah, that's right. Eventually, we're going to get to the point where we're going to do like Joe Rogan podcast where they're going to be like three hours long because we'll be like enjoying ourselves too much. We're just not going to be spouting anti-vax conspiracy. That's all. We could. <laughs> there we go. Oh, it's, Tal it's Talbot's here. We've got a diverse yeah, crew true. here. We could really hit all angles. We could, we could hit all of it. Sure. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to beat this dead horse. Uh, okay. Chelsea Burns is a college athlete coach of the year. Thank you, Kyle. I just want to give you a life update because I haven't been on the podcast in about a month. I'm currently tuning in from the greatest city in the Northwest, Seattle, Washington. Um, but I'm on a five-week sabbatical from San Francisco and work, and I'm hitting about eight cities. Isn't that impressive? That's very my current, impressive. My current mission is I'm a UPS driver, holiday delivery. I've done two days of work. so Is it fun? It's really fun and hard. Is it super hard? It's actually not that hard. But yesterday when I did it for six hours straight in the pouring rain, I was very cold and tired by the end. Because you have to like climb up and down these rickety concrete wooden stair houses. Like you, it really makes you think twice about ordering things online because someone has to physically bring you every single like 
toilet paper sheet that you order from Amazon. And now I'm just, I'm curious, and I don't want to spend too much time on this. Are you driving your own vehicle for this or a rental or a UPS one? Or, you know, I know yes. that they're, who they sub UPS, in for. Is, yep. UPS has a program with personal vehicle delivery drivers in the yeah. lead up to Christmas. So I drive my own car, I get paid very well, and I get reimbursed for mileage. And I'm only going to do it for 10 days, but. But can I just ask, is the hourly as good as I've heard it is? Yeah, it's 30 here in Seattle. And if you're driving in San Francisco, it's 38. Wow. Decent. An hour so for plus some, mileage. Some university holiday pay money. You could, yeah. al- you could almost fill up your whole tank of gas after working there for a month. Yes. In California, almost. In Oklahoma, you get 18 tanks. Uh, we do have European listeners. And honestly, when Americans start moaning about the price of gas, yeah, it's just like you've you've got no idea. I promise that's you. Right, that's right. That's <laughs> oh, right. Mark, you you spent some time in Oklahoma. You know what the gas is it's, like. Honestly, here. your gas yeah, your gas price is genuinely half what ours is in the UK. Genuinely half. Yeah. Same as for most of Europe. So all of our European listeners, when Americans moan about the price of gas, it gives you a massive eye rolling moment. Oh, it's all about expectations, though, Mark. Yeah, of course it is. Can yeah. Can I ask Chelsea how many how many miles did you drive yesterday? Twenty seven. That's it. But keep in mind, I'm like, you get 60 packages and those 60 packages are going within like a four block radius. So, and so you're driving like a 50 meters. And obviously in Seattle, out. the biggest issue is parking. Um, yeah, you can kind of illegally park because you are, you put on flash. I'm just worried Pat yeah. thinks Chelsea's come on as a guest to be interviewed. <laughs> okay, well, last question. I don't know what's just happened here. <laughs> last question. Okay. Do you have a Fitbit? Are you counting steps? No. Okay. That was something I talked about with someone last night. Oh my I need God. to wear my watch next time because honestly, I think I walked 10 miles yesterday. No, and I like, believe it. I'm also running a lot right now. I'm training for a 50K. We can get into that later if you want. Um, but I go and run a lot in the morning. Then I'm doing this for six hours. Come home. Just shattered. Crushed. All right. Okay. Well, this isn't okay, a paid advertisement from UPS. I was going to no, say, it's... welcome to the world of being an age group athlete, Chelsea. Yeah. You've, you've experienced for your first time what it's like you being tried, an age group athlete. You tried delivering for UPS in Seattle for one day, and then we will talk. Oh, it's so you don't realize how <laughs> hilly Seattle is, too. No, and how many steps people have, and the no. dogs. No. I, I, would, I was about to give it the uh, I'm in the army. Talk to me about a hard day's work. But friends of mine listen to this, and they know how little work I actually do for a living. And I would get a world of shit if I sat here and tried to pretend my job is hard than a UPS delivery driver. Because it's absolutely not. I used to be an Uber driver too. So I've kind of seen it all in terms of personal vehicle hustles. Unreal. So are you going to be a chauffeur next, Chelsea? Oh, come, come on, please do triathlon. <laughs> for the love of God. We've got to get back to it. I'm, I'm sorry, Chelsea. Thank you for answering all those tough questions. Though. Thank you for being so interested in my life, yeah. Pat. Sincerely. I was, sincerely am. Yeah, I, I believe you. So we have a year in review. So um, short course racing. Chelsea, do you want to take it, take us away? Yes. Well, so just so people catch up on with us, we were chatting a bit pre going on air about whether we should run through the entire year and just be like, remind everyone which, what happened, which we decided was probably a bad idea. So I think we just wanted to, Kyle created a few categories, for example, performance of the year, newcomer of the year. And I think we wanted to just give our thoughts on a few of those and probably debate and maybe agree a little bit. Um, so does that sound like what we should do here? I think it's fair to say we're going to miss something, you know, yeah, and we want to get hit up in the DMs with that. But I think this is really just uh, a roundtable between the four of us to just try and 
uh, go recall the year as best we can. Yes. And this is like Kyle mentioned, short course focused. I think that a long course one will be done. So we're not ignoring that. Um, but because it was an Olympic year and Olympics is all that really matters for short course, which Vince just reminded us. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, kind of that Olympics and surrounding month is most of our focus here. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Some good WTS races, but the Olympics was it, wasn't it? Really? That was that was the pinnacle. Yeah, we kind of got a we kind of got a couple of refresh races coming out of the 2020 pandemic weird triathlon year. Um, and then they kind of just thrust us right into, uh, the Olympics. So. So what was our first category? We, we thought, uh, we, was the newcomer, to... newcomer of the year. And we can't decide. We talked before the show on well, what class the big is decision newcomer. is here. What defines newcomer? But it can't just be someone that raced their first race because that's where, that's where ITU, WTS racing is different to Ironman in that all these athletes come through the junior scheme. Most of them, they come through the under-23 scheme and then they appear on the stage. So do we have real newcomers in Olympic racing? Uh, no, I, I think... think... Sorry, Pat, go ahead. I think of this as really kind of like the uh, somebody's coming out party, you know, who who all of a sudden showed up that we, that we've kind of been waiting for. I think the names we've got here that I'm looking at, you know, who really showed up when we weren't expecting it. You know, I think a lot of us were quite critical of, of Lucy Charles pre leads and afterwards, you know, there were a lot of us that had to eat a big crow and say, you know, that was pretty, pretty fantastic performance. Uh, Alex, Yee made a fantastic mark. I think Morgan Pearson, I think uh, Taylor Nib, even with a couple of hand, couple of wins. Um, those, those I love that um, on the short course show, the first name we mentioned was Lucy Charles. <laughs> Chelsea's skin yeah, crawled look, as we I said think, that. You know, look, I think... Um, <laughs> well, she's the only true newcomer we've mentioned yet, right? For newcomer category, I think that's where it is. Come on then, Chelsea. Let's hear yours. No, I mean, obviously, I think getting fifth in Leeds is a very impressive accomplishment. And it was her first World Series. Like, I don't know how many people are getting top five at a World Series in their first one. So I would have a hard time arguing with that. Um, the other few names Pat mentioned, Alex Yee, Morgan, even Taylor Nib, relative newcomers compared to, I don't know, the Vincent Louis and Mario Molas of this sport and people kind of, I think we saw, especially in the men's race in the Olympics, um, those younger guys kind of arrive on the stage with a Alex Yee, Hayden Wild on getting medals at, the ripe old ages of like 23 um but yeah like there's some definitely people that i think made their made their name in 2021 that would not have been factors at all in 2019 had we been looking at that kind of year i threw out kevin mcdowell sixth place at the olympics um pat reminded me he's been racing world triathlon for about 10 15 years so what is newcomer (laughs) I don't think we could count that as a newcomer performance, but I no. would. I want to revisit that later, and we talk about performance of the year. My okay. other, my other guy to throw in because Mark only thinks I think of Americans, but <laughs> Seth Ryder, fourth place at two separate World Championships is 
Okay, one was Sarah. I'll accept it. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's very fair. I just wanted to give him a nod because his Edmonton performance was pretty amazing too. Yeah, I yeah. can agree with that. I can agree with that. So we struggled with newcomer. What about outright all time, all year, sorry, performance of the year across the short distances of racing? Easy. Mine, I think. Do we agree, yeah. Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, we all we agree here. No, I don't agree. Okay. <clears throat> oh, so so okay, Carl, so you so go you, first. Okay, you I'll say mine. I would say Taylor Nibbs' performance at Edmonton was unmatched as far as breaking away from the pack and just absolutely blowing that race wide open. Um, the, okay, um, it was a the, good race, but showing up at an Olympics as a favorite and just performing when you only have one day in five years to do that is something that you can't really argue with. The only other one I would say, another U.S. athlete, would be Katie Zafiris because we weren't, I would say we weren't as impressed with her year round. And then she comes to the Olympics and absolutely. I think that's better. Puts that's better than Taylor. Yeah, I, I like that one. Yeah. But, but like we, we didn't even talk about this. Um, <laughs> me, Chelsea, Pat all agree. The Philadelphia the Florida Olympics was, 100%. it was a yeah. perfect execution. Yeah. But actually Zafiris really enjoyed that performance. That was awesome. Agree with that. On the men's side then, because we've well, they're all women so far, performance of the year. What do we reckon? Anything exciting from the men? I thought uh, Alex performance Yee of the year of for me in Leeds. Alex, I thought Alex Yee in, Alex Leeds, Yee in Leeds. Leeds. That's what was my what was mine gonna be. Yeah, I thought Alex Lee in Leeds was dominant, wasn't he? It was a real that's what that's what made me think he could win the Olympics, but the, the Christian effect finally happened. I don't know who I want to give it to from the men's race, but it was at Leeds. Uh, if it was either Chase McQueen or Alistair Brownlee. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Giver of the beating or receiving of the beating. Yeah. No, but that 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 changed the entire dynamics of the Olympics with Alistair Brownlee not qualifying. I don't think it changed the dynamics too much. What would have happened had Alistair Brownlee raced in Tokyo? He could have had a third Olympic gold medal. I no. Look, I don't think not with the injuries he had on that. Yeah. I, I don't think Christian was the red hot favorite like like Flora was. Um, but it was clear that his focus was entirely singular as well around the Olympic games. And, and I think for him to perform on that day, we saw, we saw fantastic performances in the men's and women's races at the Olympics from two, uh, from two champions that earned it. Do you remember his suit guys? That's what I'm talking about. I mean, he's got, he's got the most horrific picture of winning the Olympics. Um, but that's because they were completely singularly focused on every, every facet of that race. And then it wasn't even that hot on the day. Gotta love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of, and it was strange, the long distance stuff that's been their mentality all year, hasn't it? There's just, they've brought a new level of focus and drive. And it's nice to see Lionel like humbled by what the Norwegian boys have done across the spectrum. So not the long stuff just by their, their their sheer level of professionalism. Like if it's a team of the year in a way, it's probably those guys. Yep. Um, yeah. They, they unfortunately are like crossing over from both our short course and long course categories though, because I think if this was one episode, it would be a lot easier to talk Norway. Not that True. they weren't impressive in short yeah. course, but I think the ability to nail both of those categories was pretty amazing. Because team of the year in short course is what? British women? <laughs> Um, I, would say yeah, okay, I would just say Britain in general. The UK. Yeah, the UK. Relay team. 
Yeah, because we had the, they had the relay gold and then across the spectrum, the women, if you take into account Jess Learmoth and the yeah. Super League fiasco. Fiasco? She wiped the pants off every person in Super League for a month straight. And then, then didn't win it, is then my point. That it. was the fiasco was. Okay, right, um, that was fiasco of the year. Georgia Taylor-Brown scooping Super League despite Jess winning, what, three of the four, was it? Yeah. Also, Georgia Taylor-Brown flatting in the Olympics and still getting a silver medal. That was pretty uh, British amazing. Yeah, that was really impressive. What was nice is it didn't really affect the result, did it? You know, she was never going to win. So she she flattered and still did as well as she possibly could have done, which is probably the best you can possibly hope for if you're going to take a puncture in the Olympics, I would imagine. Um, still on performance of the year? I don't know. I think we're kind of drifting somewhere else. What about break? Well, so we've got breakthrough performance. So of the year, this is kind of where I would take yours, Kyle. I think Nibs Edmonton was a breakthrough in terms of just the timing of the season because we saw her have a subpar Olympics and then absolutely blow everyone's mind at Edmonton and kind of roll into that five weeks of insanity. Um, yeah, 70.3 racing, now that. I think we saw that that was coming, though. I mean, Flora didn't look like she really cared in that race. You know, she just won the Olympics. She was kind of cruising. Whereas I thought Maya Kingman's performance in Leeds for me was the breakthrough performance. I know she didn't then back it up. um, But Maya, you know, no one expected Maya to win Leeds. um, And she was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And won comfortably in the end. So for me, I thought Maya Kingman's performance in Leeds was probably the breakthrough for me of the year. I thought, I hope it turns into a breakthrough. As in, I hope she now uses that as a stepping stone and wins some races next year, which I'm sure she will. Of the men, though, breakthrough races of the year? I wrote down one, but I think I'm actually going to change it to uh, Morgan Pearson at Yokohama getting the men's slot for the U.S. Olympic team. Morgan, breakthrough. Yeah, that's a good one. You wrote down two Frenchies here, though, I see, Kyle. I, I did write down two French people. I don't know they how would... to say their names, though. So that's that's what Chelsea said Le- for Leonie Perio and Leo Berger. Yeah, there you go. We should have kept Vince on for that. Yeah, they were they were phenomenal, actually, weren't they? I'm not sure their breakthrough though, because Leo Berger has been around for an awful long time. He's yeah. had quite a lot of podiums, hasn't he? Um, but those French guys, they they seem to just miss out on the big stage. You know, they like can... peaked too late. It's the problem. It seems. Unfortunately, and what about them. what about bomb of the year? Worst performance of the year. <laughs> this is a con- is anyone going to vote for a worst performance of the year? Australian team. Ah, oh, Pat said it. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, but the Australians love our show, mate. So you know we don't want to offend our our favorite audience. Um, it, was, it was yeah, you know it was interesting, right? Where they 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 played their hand to get three slots uh, on the, for the men. Right. And that was, that was quite interesting. And they used the points in their favor. Sorry for the women rather. Um, Both. They did three and three. Okay. They were the only team with six starters in the Olympics. And there was like this big, from the Australian side, there was this big celebration. Like we earned three slots for the men and the women. And, and unfortunately uh, it it did not produce uh, any medals for them. So I think it was, um, was it also no top tens? It was, a, it was yeah, yeah, they didn't have a single it, top yeah. ten. I mean, yeah. it was really it was really bad. So 
I think it was interesting where, you know, that they had the idea where we, you know, we were quite critical of the U S team that to lose, to lose a slot on the men's side, um, we could argue that that didn't really affect their overall performance as a team. Um, and, and Australia didn't earn take an opportunity to really help them out to get that full quota on the men and the women's side. So yeah, I'd say biggest bomb of the year. Like that, that's, that's fair. And their reaction to that has been hiring a new head coach. Is that right? Joe Frail is off to Australia. That's that was that's their primary reaction to it, or was that coming before then? My understanding was that was coming before. Oh, okay, so maybe they've identified a few weeks. And Do you think that was gone? Yeah. Oh, sorry, there's I was going to talk about their special shoes they had as well for the uh relay that actually didn't do, do too much as well. Yeah. I mean, that's nothing new, was it? It was like the platforms, things, yeah. whatever they were going to use. Right. But it, it just, it, did that happen because they just have a lack of a superstar? Like to win the Olympics, you need a superstar. To medal, I'd say they have, I'd say they have superstars. I would say they have superstars. The problem is, is the lack of quality of racing, I think, from them being locked down in Australia. Yeah. I don't think as many of them were able to branch out and kind of race on the circuit as what they probably would have hoped. Some Australian accents hate this. I think like, like there are Australian athletes in Europe and in America that have been solidly for like right. the last 18 months living away from home and racing because they recognise they had to do it. And it makes them sick when they hear Australian athletes say, oh, it's so hard for us. We couldn't do this. When they can, it's just, it's weighing up the pros and the cons and understanding the sacrifice you've got to make. And you saw an example of one of those athletes who chose to be outside of Australia and take the international racing opportunities all of 2020 and 2021 get left off the team in favor of <sighs> yeah, people who stayed in Australia, didn't race anyone besides other Australians, um, and then go to the Olympics. Not a criticism, just an observation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, bomb of the year, I think, unanimously, is the Australian Olympic team, unfortunately. Um, yeah, not the, not the it's nice that we didn't have moment. to name someone, guys. An I individual, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I think that's what is that why we've ended up being unanimous? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So go on then. Going ahead to next year, it's now not an Olympic year next year. What what does that change, Charles? I think you'll see. I mean, honestly, I have no idea. I don't think they've even published a full schedule yet. Like the first World Series race isn't scheduled until May. They usually have them starting in March. So whether they're going to be adding earlier races uh, that just haven't been confirmed yet. But quite honestly, I think not too many people have really been thinking too hard about the next, uh, the next year yet. It's just coming off the high of, or just the exhaustion too of this year, I think takes a lot of time for people, but you'll probably see less, strong races especially at the beginning as people like we heard vince was pretty excited to focus on long trying to do a few long course races um so i don't think that will be all that uncommon do you want to roll through the schedule real quick of what next year looks like yeah if you've got it there carl yeah so we have uh yokohama will be may 14th 15th Leeds will be june 11th 12th montreal will be june 25th 26th Hamburg will be July 9th and 10th. And then we have a big gap from July to October. And then Chengdu, China will be October 27th, 20th, or sorry, 22nd and 23rd. First um, time host. 
of the yeah. World Triathlon Series Championship. Yep. And then uh, Abu Dhabi will be the championship final, which that date has not been published yet, but it will likely be November. As and that, that sizable gap is obviously because there is the Commonwealth Games. Commonwealth Games, yes. Commonwealth Games in the probably the arena games for. Um... Sorry, the Commonwealth Games is way more significant than the arena games. I was going to say. <laughs> I don't even know what the arena games is, but. The Commonwealth Games to everyone who isn't American is a pretty big deal. Um, and that happens uh, in the two year, well, it goes like two year gap from Olympics. So in yeah. a normal non COVID situation, that will be in the UK. Mark will be live, right? Yeah, it's in Birmingham. It's just up the road from me, actually, in the UK. We've got some tickets. I'm not sure we've got tickets to the triathlon. I don't think can't oh. even bid for tickets to the triathlon. Um, but we will be at the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, it's like a mini Olympics for all the ex Commonwealth countries. Um, which in triathlon is actually most of the big, big participating nations, pretty much minus uh, France, the US, and a couple of others. But if you take in Australia and New Zealand, you have obviously South Africa, Canada, the UK. So there's some really hot competition. Bermuda, and it's Bermuda of course. Um, and it's still it's quite well funded by governing bodies. So governing bodies can get funding for Commonwealth Games. So they support it pretty heavily. So, yeah, you'll see that happen there. Um, what's really good to know is the Norwegians aren't a Commonwealth country. Um, so it opens the doors for some other players to come in uh, other than Christian. So he can't do it, which is great. Um, but yeah, that's 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 next year. And then Super League, again, because it's not Olympic year, do you think more people will try and get on board Super League? Because it's great money. Can I ask you a question? Uh, yes. Do we have any understanding of the finances of Super League and if this is going to continue to be around? <laughs> I'm also very curious on how the like future it, of Super League works. I, I love this. I mean, I, I love the format. I love what it's doing. love the money that it's being pumped in. It's just... Um, the people behind Super League, I, I, I would feel afraid to ask the question to. I, there's some names behind Super League that are... I, I don't know. I don't Dark know where money. their money comes from, full stop, let alone the money to pump Super League. But are we hearing that it's still, I mean, for the foreseeable future, there's five, it's going to be around again. Like it's, things are, things are going on and it's going well. Well, we I have Vince on. And he, yeah, they yeah. announced a full schedule for next year. Was this the one where they're including Saudi Arabia? Or was that something I made up? I feel like I heard that there might be a race there. Yeah. And um, th- th- that's a way to draw a lot of money, isn't it? You throw a race in Abu Dhabi, Oman, Saudi Arabia, Dubai they tend to pay to have those races there and they pay handsomely. So it's probably a way that they're floating some of the rest of the season. Um, I'm just trying to see if they've got one for for the Middle East. But I'm, I, I know a lot of the athletes, a lot of the ITU guys are planning on racing the full suite and they even talked of having five races as opposed to four. So I think Super League will feature really heavily and I'm glad of because I find it exciting. Um, but I don't know. Do we believe... Um... Is there going to be another indoor one, or was that in a COVID-only situation? Or no, they, the arena what's... arena games will be more than likely be back. Um, the races that they did in the Rotterdam and London. It's sort uh, of comparable to the Commonwealth Games, and probably. I believe it was an agreement with Super League and <laughs> World Triathlon <laughs> uh, signing a deal for it. So, Unreal. really, World yeah. Triathlon for the arena games? Yeah, they signed an agreement. That's why I don't think. I think Super League is going to be here to stay because if they get into financial trouble, I think uh, World Triathlon might try and 
sweep it off them. Yeah, it's got the World Triathlon logo as well on it. Super League World Triathlon logo powered by Zwift. So feels like the money behind that event is still good and strong. So we can look forward to a bit of... I quite enjoy that indoor racing. It's quite fun to watch. And it's where um, we got Beth Potter, right? That's when Beth Potter became a household name. Yeah, I guess where I wish they would go with these arena games, and they're doing this a bit in the UK, right? But but placing them in in places where the weather we know is going to be bad, right? So I think about if you had it in, in the Midwest in, in the middle of winter, are those events that in a non-COVID environment you could have uh, crowds come attend, right? And it'd be a little bit more... I just feel like that those would be like track cycling in the winter, right? Where we know you can have an audience inside. Um, yeah, but the it's going to be bad and nothing else competing with it. But there needs to be drinking or gambling or preferably both. Uh, yeah, preferably both. Yeah, yeah. So like Kirin cycling in Japan, that would be, that's, yeah. the, that's the pinnacle of, of drinking and gambling indoors spectator events. So if we could mirror that onto yeah. arena games. Yeah. I think that'd be excellent part. Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, in track cycling, it's, it's uh, smoking inside is all is, is encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. But the yeah, old school right. Belgian trucks. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. But, uh, the arena games, lighting <laughs> yeah. a fag next to looks to Lucy Charles or warming up on her treadmill. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh man. Can you imagine Christian's face? If you're hanging over the barrier yeah, with a pint awesome. in a hand and a fag hanging yeah. out your mouth. Yeah. He's never yeah, seen yeah. either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we need um, to clarify what a fag is real quick, Mark, because there's a lot of English listeners that. Sorry, know. it's English. It's British slang for a cigarette. Yeah, it means nothing um, more than that. It's British slang for a cigarette. I'm not trying to get cancelled. Unfortunately, we just finished. Our <laughs> no, first no, first. you're right. You're right. Worth worth clarifying. Yeah, a cigarette in mouth and a pint, which is a beer, by the way, in hand. There we go. <laughs> just a beer. <laughs> Mil- Miller Light, Miller Light beer, or D- don't, Kyle, don't. You're better than that. Be better than Miller Lite. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, I think the other big news that came out was Russia is no longer allowed to compete next year in World Triathlon. Yeah. But but it looks like they're about to invade Ukraine and just use their athletes instead. So that's fine. Cool. Unfortunately, Ukraine (laughs) athletes also tested. Yeah. Yeah. True. (laughs) True. True. All of them. Wow, that them, was basically. really quick man that was really i'm proud of you that was good i have a wealth of knowledge up here a yeah, lot of people don't yeah. know why i'm on this podcast but it's yeah it's no just, no no that's we've cool. never here. asked you why you're on this podcast well, you're the only reason we do this podcast yeah <laughs> you hold us together i'm but the yeah. glue i am the glue i am the glue you know i mean i would say that's a bold step from from world triathlon and it definitely um it goes outside of what the IOC is willing to do. And I think anytime you've got a, um, a sport that is willing to go up against what the IOC is doing, um, I, I really want to, in this case, I think it's, it, it's really commendable from world triathlon to stand up for clean sport and, and to, and to make a statement. So um, I'm really, I'm really, really proud of world triathlon making uh, what I'm assuming would be a, a tough decision in the eyes of uh, the IOC. Yeah. Yeah. So at the moment, it's effective for one year. Um, all Russian athletes are um, banned from racing, essentially. Wow. Um, it's met, it's reviewed quarterly, and uh, it just becomes. If you don't, if you didn't know this, because you you don't follow the short course stuff, they have had a significant number of positive tests. Athletes that have been racing 15, 20 years, um, brothers, you know, three brothers, two of them testing positive. How do you possibly race the third? 
you know, like it's a situation where it made it unpalatable for um, other nations' athletes to race Russian athletes. And yeah, I'm with Pat. I, I think it's a really bold move, um, but logical and sensible. Yep. Yep. But understanding that, that it is part it, two. What was that, Charles? Bomb of the year part two. Bomb of the year part <laughs> two. Yeah, the Russian doping cover-up program finally falling foul. Yeah, that's a significant bomb. But uh, luckily, they weren't winning, really winning races, were they? So, uh, yeah, good riddance for a while, and hopefully, they they come back. And well, I don't know. I don't... Yeah, I don't really do, do we or, hope they or... come back? Uh, do I have yeah, any would... faith in Russian being a clean sport, especially after the Sochi Games? Like a yeah. hole cut in the wall of your doping booth to pass clean yeah. samples through? Are we joking? But don't you feel for a young sixteen-year-old Russian that just wants to do a sport? And they're they can't do anything about the fact where they come from. Completely, yeah, I absolutely do. And they only have to look to their governing bodies and their government to that I throw blame. They see they can't look to world triathlon and blame world triathlon. They can only look to the athletes that they that came before them that were presumably their idols and mentors, and look at them with disgust and despair. But I do feel sorry for the young the young athletes. Of course, you do. Yeah. Yep. Any other exciting moments of the year? It's mm. so sad. It's over. Yeah. I, it came and went pretty fast. I, I was actually pretty surprised. I was looking forward to this year. And then uh, first thing. You know, I think the, the re- we talked quite a bit in, in, a, in a hot podcast that we had was, was the recap of Montreal and that format and where that should sit in with the series and how they're going to do the points and, you know, I go back to when I think about the the World Triathlon Championship Series. I think they really have to move to a scale where it's it's a 0.5 rating for these super sprints, a 0.75 rating for a sprint, and then a and then a full rating for an Olympic distance. Um, and I think what the sneaky thing is that would allow an opportunity for more uh, super sprint and sprint races on the calendar. And then they would know that these Olympic distance races will be, will be more heavily weighted, but you know, Chelsea, you'd love your, I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah. So basically just weighting races different because we didn't think that that Montreal one should be equivalent. Yeah. I mean, we, under, we understood why it was included in the series. I think we were all in agreement there that like it needed to be to make it a full series. But I think in years moving forward, what should the protocol be for these super sprint races or sprint races that are a part of the championship series? Yeah, I think that it's hard because it's not like, I mean, it's, it's not less of a race, if that makes sense. That's right. Um, I think it's probably, I would be a bigger fan of waiting races depending on how, heavy the start list is i think we saw a really soft hamburg this year um as the first race of the year just because it was conflicting with super league um it was podiums on both sides of not necessarily people we didn't know but kind of not your usual uh world series podiumers so i mean i would vote more for giving that race 85 or 90 percent weight um, rather than Montreal, which did have all the big names, but just was a different format. Because I think excelling at that different format is hard in its own way, and it does give maybe the younger athletes more of an opportunity. If that makes sense? Yeah, I need to I need to clarify a mistake. Um, Russian athletes aren't banned from racing. 
as Pat, I think, knew already, um, it's that uh, Russia won't be able to host any European or world-level triathlon events for the year. They've suspended all Russian officials from international positions and they've mandated more drug testing. But if um, the head of Russian Triathlon Federation, Zina Zhoiga, is listening, I'm sure it had nothing to do with you. Um, you know, I take all that back from blaming that on you because you are, of course, the daughter of the Russian defence minister. So, um, you know, <laughs> these positions have some scary people involved. So, you know, yeah, no, I'm sure I'm sure it was all a mistake. <laughs> but no, the Russian athletes will will be able to race. But what a uh, what an odd and strange system that is running over there. Wow. That was a joke, by the way. I don't take any of it back. Right, let's, let's move on. I think we're all still processing <laughs> what you said. Yeah, well, no, the head of the Russian Triathlon Federation is actually the daughter of the Russian defence minister. Oh, my gosh. Golly. That's yeah, insane. Cool. Tight yeah, circle just, over there. Yeah, very tight circle promote, over there. Promote from within, right? Promote from within. This has been a bit, a bit too political. Let's move on. I think that's all we got. Unreal. On to the anti-vaxxing debate. Oh uh, no, we don't have Talbot that here was a with joke. me. I'm just kidding. Talbot is not anti-vax. In case anyone is listening, Talbot was the first American to get vaccinated. Maybe your listeners don't know that. Yeah, I know. Oh, I think true. we called him out for it, it on the show, yeah. Chelsea. I think you called him out for it on the show, pretending yeah, he was this, a 75 year old. I have this amazing video clip of in January when no one had a vaccine except Talbot, and I asked him how you what. It's it's because my mom. My mom works for. Oh. Uh, medical facility here and we were the two of the first people in oklahoma to get vaxxed <laughs> ask him how he made un- 65 years old look so good yeah unreal. The, the, the last few months talbot's not making that 65 look so good married life he's getting he's fed up properly crushed, isn't he yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he's he's, he's getting proper meals yeah unreal he, he kicked me it? out i had to go buy a house and uh, now he's getting fed a lot better than whenever I would feed him. So, and now he shares us his love handles on Zoom. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the long course year in review. Yeah, we'll be Same. back for that next week after Christmas. I think, I think as a cohort, we're diehard long course fans, aren't we? And Chelsea's the only one that keeps us properly true. I think we love the Olympics, um, and we try to do the short course justice. But yeah, so thank you to anyone who suffered through this episode and humored my short course interest. I really appreciate the support. <laughs> and I think, you know, Kyle, can we put the word out that we are, we're soliciting um, advertisements on this podcast new in 22, because the idea is, is we want to, the goal is to have us, you know, for a couple big races that are happening in North America, we all want to be there conducting interviews with the athletes during the week of the race. Is that, I think we should solicit advertising on one of the podcasts we had like Christian or Vincent on, not the one where we just rambled aimlessly about, (laughs) you know, short course. I sent them the information. I said, Oh yeah, we, uh, we average about 10,000 per episode because that's what we've had with Christian and Gustav and I'm sure we'll have with Vince. So that's unbelievable. It's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. But no, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys supporting us. Uh, this is our first year. So um, we're learning, getting better. Um, we do have a large slate for you scheduled for next year. Uh, we have Sam Renouf, the president of the PTO, is on deck. Uh, we also have Race Ranger coming on. Uh, a lot of pro triathletes as well have DM'd us, and our schedule is filling up for the off season. So um, be sure to keep listening, subscribe to us. Um, I know it's going to get really dark over the next couple months while we have no racing up until uh really 
Clash Miami will probably kick us off mid-March. So thanks for listening and uh, tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Wait, wait, wait. I have one more breakthrough of the year. Okay. Hit us with it. Pro Try News Podcast. (laughs) 